so much. And they're not finding what they need. Isn't it amazing how you think that that next thing is going to be it? Anybody ever? In your search for what you really need, you say, this, this next thing, that's going to be it. That's going to be the thing that's going to change my life. If I can accomplish this goal, if I can make this amount of money, if I could just get married. Some people saying, if I could just get divorced. <laughs> they are. Don't, don't, don't. It's true. If I could just graduate college, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just. And what's sad about it is that they accomplished that thing that they thought would change everything. And they'd find that things are still much the same. Nothing changed. All of the solutions. I heard Elder pouring out his heart about what's happening in the city. And I've been a part of a group of pastors in the city who've tried to help. We've done some things. Our, our church gave away free groceries over on the west side of town. We're, we're, we're reaching out and we're doing what we can. The government's doing what they can. They're, they're bringing in extra help and there's a lot going on. The issue is that you can bring in more police. You can bring in... The guard, you can bring in the marshals, but that won't change people. People will be very much the same. They'll just be incarcerated people. They're not very different from us. They're thinking, if I could just achieve this, things will be better. They don't get better. So we come to church. We bring people to church. And our hope is church will make it better. And we feel better for a little while. And then we go back to wherever we go back to. And it's pretty much the same. If I tell them off, I'll feel better. We tell them, we tell them all feel better than feel worse. Today I came to talk to you about the one thing that we all need. Not thing. Well, yes. It's to see Jesus. I'm reminded of a story in scripture when some men were bold enough to go up to the disciples and say, we would see Jesus. Disciples, y'all nice and everything, and we appreciate y'all. We didn't come to see y'all. Look through the scriptures. You didn't find anybody going to see the disciples. The only time somebody dealt with a disciple pretty much is if Jesus wasn't around. It, you know, like the man who had the son that was, had uh, epilepsy. He, he came for Jesus. He didn't come for them nine fellas. But he went ahead and went with them because he was like, y'all hang with Jesus. So that, that might work. But we came to see who? Jesus. 
And back in 2001, I think 9-11, it was in 2001, it was a long while ago. It didn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was a while ago. And after 9-11, people flooded the church. And it, it was somewhat prophetic because there's a scripture that says that, that, that after uh, the calamities hit the earth, that the people were going to run to Mount Zion. They were going to run to Mount Zion, and, and the people ran to church in, in numbers that were amazing. Pastor friends of mine were like, we were packed, and, and we were in a little old church on 41st Street, and we were packed, and, and the big churches were packed, and the little churches were packed. And I don't think people care where they went. They just wanted to go somewhere, and, and they, did, they didn't want to see us. They wanted to see Jesus. But they got there, and they saw our programs. They saw our religion. They saw our denomination. And they didn't see Jesus. So within two weeks, they left. Even in the storms that, even in the storm, I see it. I see it so clearly now. Even in the storm that they went through, Jesus sleeping on a pillow. And Jesus was the one who said, we got to go to the other side. I wonder why he let the storm come. Maybe it was so that he could come up to the top and they could see him all the things they had seen see here's the thing sometimes we miss Jesus and see the miracle when the purpose of what we went through the purpose of what we experienced was not to see the miracle but to see Jesus so let's expand let's let's expand on this thought for just a little while in Mark chapter 9 In Mark chapter 9, Jesus transfigures in front of the disciples. Our topic for today is only Jesus. Only Jesus. It's simple. Jesus transfigured in front of the disciples. In the second verse of Mark 9, it says, now after six days. Those of you who've been with us for any amount of time know that whenever you see something saying after this, the word after, we need to back up. Because our question is after what? And why after six? Six days after what? What happened six days ago? These are the types of things we need to know. We study the word to show ourselves approved. Amen. 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 We don't just read the Bible. We study the Bible. In fact, uh, Pastor Leslie said if we were reading the Bible in 2015 and 2016, we're supposed to do what, Nelson? Study the Bible. So, so, so we back up and we see that six days after Jesus had predicted his death and told the disciples that he was going the way of the cross. And invites them to deny themselves. He says, he says, listen, I'm going, and if you want to come after me, if any man will come after me, he has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And, and so six days after he tells them that he is going to die, he transfigures. Now, you can imagine that when he says, I'm about to die, I'm about to go the way of the cross, and, and, and I'm no longer going to be here, that that mess with them a little bit. You understand? Because they were expecting a temporal earthly kingdom, and they thought that Jesus was going to bring in an earthly kingdom. So for Jesus to die would mean that everything that they had worked for and sacrificed for wasn't going to come to pass. 
So you can imagine what's going on in their mind. We left everything. We left our wives. We left our children. We left our businesses. We left a whole boatload of fish to come after you. And now you're telling us it's over? We've done all of this for you, Jesus. We made all these sacrifices for you. And now you're telling us that you're going to die and that we have to take up a cross too? That if we really want to follow you, we're going to have to deny ourselves? And, and so, and so... After that, six days, everybody say six days. Six days days after that, verse 2, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Three people he seemed to always take with him. Peter, James, and John. The three guys that he met down on the beach fishing, he pulled them out of their boats and said, follow after me. And they followed him. And he takes these three people. Some say he took them because Peter really loved Jesus. Some say they took John. He took John because John really loved John. Um, Jesus really loved John and James because James was going to be the first martyr of the new church that Jesus had established. But others say that the reason he took the three of them is because they get into trouble and he needed to keep them close. <laughs> you know how it is when you have a troublesome child. You got to keep them close. So they, they, they say, but, but I don't really know. I don't really know why he took them. Maybe he took them because their ministries were going to be bold. Peter was going to be the one that was going to stand up on the day of Pentecost and say, these men are not drunk as ye suppose. John was going to be the one who would be in prison on the Isle of Patmos for the cause of Jesus Christ. And he would write the revelations. Come on, y'all. And he would say, I, I was standing on the Isle of, I was in the, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Uh, that maybe that's why and James would have to be strong because James would become the first martyr of the church of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's why he took them. Maybe they needed to see something to convince them that Jesus was worth it all. Maybe maybe the miracles wasn't enough, Portia. Maybe the miracles is not enough to keep you in place. So you have to see, come on, Jesus. So, So maybe Jesus wanted to show them something they had never really seen before. They had seen his surface, but they had never seen the depth of who he is. And for many of us, we've seen the surface of Jesus. We hadn't really seen Jesus yet. That's why sometimes when trouble comes, we're ready to quit. But let me tell you something. If you've ever really, truly seen Jesus in all of his glory and his deity and his power and his majesty, you ain't going nowhere. So he takes these three people, Peter, James, and John, and the scripture says he transfigures before them. So had he ever transfigured before? What does it mean to transfigure? Because this time, this day, he transfigures in front of them. Maybe he had done it before. Maybe he had done it before, but not in front of them. Maybe, maybe some of those times that he went by himself, Pam, and he was alone in prayer. Maybe he just, maybe he just transfigured, but, but he never done it in front. What does transfigure mean? I, I tell you, transfigure, it describes the process of your outside being changed by your inside. It is not like metamorphosis. It, it's like what, what you know. It's but it's your outside changing because of your inside. So it's what's in you coming out so that your outside changes. That's why conformity doesn't mean anything. That's why the scripture said don't conform. It said but be transformed. So see if you change your outside and your inside still messed up then the change won't be lasting. Uh, it, it doesn't mean anything happened in you but see what, Je- what happened when Jesus came down as a man he put on what old time preachers and if y'all been in church a while you hear him say Jesus put on a flesh suit. Yes sir. 
But the flesh suit covered his glory. The glory was always there. So for me, for for me, the miracle wasn't the fact that Jesus uh, let his glory come out. It's that he was able to keep it in in the first place. That's the miracle that he was able to keep his glory inside that suit. Because I don't know about you, but but if he had all that glory, all that power, all that deity in him, it was hard to keep that up under this old stuff right here. So 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 what Jesus did was for the first time ever in the presence of the disciples was he let them see him without his suit. The miracles, the miracles of Jesus was just when his glory would leak. <laughs> that time he fed 5,000 with the fish in the loaf, that was a leak. <laughs> that time the woman touched the hem of his garment, that was just a leak. That time he made a way for you out of nowhere, that was a leak. Y'all ain't seen, you ain't seen nothing until you seen him. Oh, Jesus. He just let it leaked every now and then. You understand when he raised Lazarus from the dead, when he when he touched the coffin of the boy of the widow of Nain, when 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 he called the little girl back from the death, Talitha Kuma, a damsel, I say unto thee, arise. When he turned water into wine, when he walked on the water, it was just a leak. They would still sometimes misjudge him and they would still sometimes misunderstand him and they would still sometimes not trust him and they would still sometimes not believe him because all they had seen was leaks. And Jesus said, I'm about to give you something that's going to change your life. I'm going to give you something that you'll never be scared again. I'm going to let you see me in a way that you've never seen me before so that when they come to arrest you and they tell you don't preach in my name anymore, you'll tell them I can't help but preach in the name of Jesus because I've seen too much. He doesn't want you to see his miracles. He doesn't want you to see the ways he made. He doesn't want you to see the things that he does. Jesus wants you to see him because that's the only thing that will change your life. So maybe your storm was not, not about you. Maybe your storm was not about him showing you he can make a way. Maybe you missed it and you saw the miracle instead of the master. Maybe we missed it. Maybe we missed what we were really supposed to see. Maybe all of this trouble is so that we can finally see Jesus. Maybe what's happening in our nation and in the world is so that we finally turn to Jesus. Maybe some families need to see Jesus. They've seen enough flesh. They need to see glory. Let me get back to my text. I'm Jesus, help me. Transfiguration describes a change on the outside that comes from the inside. What Jesus did was he let his glory show. That's what happened. So he did it in front of them. He just dropped the flesh. That's a word for the church. Drop your flesh. Because it's, it's covering up. It's covering up Jesus. Jesus is in you, the hope of glory. 
And if you just drop your flesh. That's why we're going to fast for six days. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Everybody say six. They say six is the number of man, the number of the strength of man, the flesh of man. Six days. And initially, Porsche, I, wanted, I didn't want to fast for six days because I didn't want to do anything that represented flesh. It represented man. I said, maybe we'll go to five for grace. Maybe we'll go to seven for perfection. And the Holy Spirit stopped me before I changed it. And, and, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. See, see, I was one of them cats one time to say something said. You understand? Because, you know, when you say the Holy Spirit, people say the Holy Spirit didn't say nothing to you. But I, I ain't stunning folk no more. The Holy Spirit said to me he said don't change it from six to five or six to seven because six days represents every one of them days you killing your flesh since it's the number of flesh we're gonna spend six days killing this flesh and on the seventh day we're gonna walk into the perfection of the spirit of god so on day six we're gonna leave our flesh behind because people need to see who? Jesus. Only Jesus can heal us. Only Jesus can deliver us. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus can fix what's happening in our city. Only Jesus. And if we see Jesus, we won't even be scared about what's going on right now because we'll know he's got the whole world he's got the little bitty children he's got the boys with the guns he don't just have the church folk in his hand oh some of us better be glad he didn't just have the church folk in his hand Oh, some of us better be glad he had us in it before we got saved, before we made a confession. I need some happy people to jump up on your feet and say, I'm glad he had me in his hands. If I wasn't in his hands, if I wasn't in his hands, I don't know where I would be. He got the whole world. Okay, I went off Kate course, y'all. He was transfigured before them. There are these moments when Jesus wants us to see him. Not what he can do. The only reason he can do what he can do is because of who he is. That's why Elder Smith, Elder Johnson, Apostle Taylor, when Moses says, who shall I say sent me? <laughs> he didn't say, tell him I can do. Ah. He, didn't, he didn't say, I can do the impossible. He didn't say, I can fix your situation. He said, tell him I am. a bad man he just said tell him I am and Elder Smith will preach it he'll preach it if I give him the mic whatever you need he says I am you need a solution <laughs> you need an answer to your problem you need a heart fix 
fixer, a mind regulator, a way maker. He said, he said, I don't do it. I am it. We're asking him to do stuff. We should just say, show up. You said it, sister. Show up. And he was transfigured in front of him. So his clothes became shining exceedingly white. Like snow. Such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Mark wasn't there now. Peter, James, and John was. So obviously he's going by someone's description of the event. So when he tries to tell you how white his clothes were, he was saying nobody could wash your clothes that white. Speaks to his purity, his holiness. You can't make, you can, that nobody can get there where he is. He's so holy, so pure. The scripture says in him is light and there is no darkness at all. Nobody else can say that about themselves. Only Jesus. I love this. No, no, no laundry. No, no dry cleaning. You might have a good dry cleaner. But they can't get it white like that. I know we watch the bleach commercial, Clorox and all of them, but I'm telling you, they can't do that. Look, look, look with me, look with me to verse, I hope you have your Bibles or something, because they, they probably don't have this on the screen, they might. And Elijah appeared uh, to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now, Elijah and Moses shows up. Now, if it's not enough for Jesus to be transfigured, Elijah and Moses pop up. What are y'all doing here? Moses, you died. And they buried you, and God buried you. God wouldn't even let Israel know where you were. Because they would have built a shrine to you. <laughs> they would have built a shrine to you, and they would have worshipped you instead of God. So God hid you. And Elijah, one day, a chariot came and got you. What are y'all doing here? They're talking with Jesus. Now, Mark doesn't make it clear what they're talking about. But Luke and others talk about the fact that Jesus and, Mark and Jesus and Elijah and Moses were talking about his decease. Now, when you hear the word decease, you think death. But it's different for Jesus because death wasn't all of it. Death meant led to burial, which led to resurrection, which led to life forever. That's why his tomb was borrowed. That's why they didn't bother to spend money on a tomb for Jesus. I can imagine Jesus was already saying, look, get somebody to lend me one. Because I, I <laughs> when y'all bury me, get somebody to lend me a place because I'm not going to need it for long. Uh, I just want you to know that they that die in Christ, their tombs are on loan. Uh, yeah, they ain't there. Come on, I wish I had a witness here. Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with 
the Lord. I believe that thing. Uh, anyway, 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 anyway. They were talking about his decease, his decease. And we would think it means his death. But, but if you research, you find out that in the Greek, the word decease means exodus. Now, there's a Bible, there's a, there's a, there's a script chapter in the Bible called Exodus. And, and, and it, Exodus represented when the children of Israel came out of slavery. Oh, God. Yeah, of the Egyptian. They came out of bondage. And, and when you come out of bondage, it means you're free. So it, it, meant, it meant his departure. It, it meant when, when Jesus would be free of this flesh. And, and he, oh, Jesus. He would be for, out from the confines of the flesh. Because in the flesh, he could only be in one place at one time. In the flesh, he, he was limited in the flesh. Oh, God, help me. But, but, but in his real state. So, so they came to him to talk to him about the time that he would go to Jerusalem. And he would die on the cross of Calvary. And that he would raise again from the dead. And he would sit on the right hand of the Father. And I come to tell you that when we die, it's not death. It's just an exodus. <laughs> it's just an exodus. We're getting away from the bondage of this here flesh and we're walking in the spirit of God. Somebody say amen. amen. And so the beauty of it is they come to talk to him about his exodus, about his departure, about his leaving, about his getting out of the flesh entirely. And they're having this conversation and other writers say that Peter, James and John were asleep. And that Peter woke up and Peter saw this. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure he didn't want to be just the only one that saw. So he woke everybody else up too. And, and they saw Jesus. And, and, and verse, verse 5 says what? Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, so Peter, said, Peter wakes up and he sees all this glory. And he was like, yes, I want to stay here. We're staying up here on this mountain. I ain't ever going back to that valley. This is nice. Elder Johnson, this is the life. Just up here in all this glory. Jesus is standing in all his glory. Moses is here. Elijah's here. Why go back with the rest of them people in the valley? Let them stay down there. Now, never mind. They spent all that time with other nine guys. You mean to tell me? You're going to leave your brothers down there? You're not even going to go get them? We're going to make three tabernacles, three tents. Three tents. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. Problem with this is that by making three tents, Peter is placing Moses and Elijah on the same level with Jesus. If he wanted to be in a tabernacle with somebody, it should have been Jesus alone. Now Moses had a great ministry, but he's no Jesus. In fact, if you go to Hebrews and you read in the book of Hebrews, it talks about Moses' house. And it said that Jesus had a much better house than Moses. Go read it. Go read it. Moses don't compare to Jesus. And with all the miracles that Elijah did, let me tell you something. Elijah don't even touch Jesus. Because Moses represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets. And Jesus represents the promise. So the law and the prophets only led up to the promise. Those guys meant something, but they weren't the promise. Jesus was the promised Messiah, promised by Isaiah many, many years ago. Come on, y'all. Come on. That's the one. He's the one. He's the one talked about in Isaiah 9 and 6. He's the one that was prophesied. They don't represent a promise. Jesus represents the only promise that we have. 
So he does, he does that. He, he takes and he, he puts them all on the same level. He does that. He does that. He does that. He puts them all on the same level. And, and there's the problem, you understand. Moses represents those who die, but Elijah represents those who are taken. See, there are those who die. That's why the scripture says, you know, um, those that he says that we will not precede those who have died. See, though, there are those who've already died in the Lord and they're going to be with the Lord. But it said, then we who are alive and remain shall be called up. So see, there are some who die and then there are some who taken. Okay, so let's come on. We study the Bible. So there's some who die and there's some who will be taken when Jesus come down on that cloud. There will be some people who are alive and he will take them. And some people have physically died. So Moses represents one and Elijah represents the other, but none of them are Jesus. So as powerful as they are, they don't save a soul. As powerful as they are, they don't heal anybody. They got their power from somebody else. It doesn't matter how powerful a man is, how great he preaches. I'm going to tell you something. He's not Jesus. And the Bible says there's going to come a time when they're going to say, look over here. Look over yonder. There he is. He said, don't you go. Because that's a false prophet. There are going to be people rising up saying, I'm him. Worship me. Look to me. No, no, no. You might be doing some real great things, brother, but you're not Jesus. So when Peter says this, and, and you know what? We're not going to be hard on Peter today. We're not going to put Peter down. Spurgeon says something about Peter to really bless me. This is what he said. Peter was open-hearted, bold, and enthusiastic. He said there's something very lovable about Peter, and in my opinion, we need more Peters in the church. See, people spend so much time beating Peter down because he made mistakes. Now, that's why I like Peter, because Peter is not afraid to mess up. Some of us are so scared to mess up, we won't do anything. We've allowed our fear to keep us from doing anything for God. But Peter was not afraid to say something. He was not afraid to do something. That's why, listen, he messed up that day after Jesus said, who do men say that I am? He messed up that day and said, far be it from you that you're going to die. He messed up on this day. He messed up when he sunk in the water. But on the day of Pentecost, after three mess ups, the brother got it right. I'm going to speak to some of you. Some of you are so afraid of making a mistake that you have not moved out in your ministry and you have not done what God called you to do and you have not spoken into the life of a person that God told you to speak into because you're scared you're going to mess up. But if you let your fear fail, you keep you from doing anything, you'll never do anything. Jesus never said quit trying. He never told him to shut up. Some of you have so much in you, but you're scared. Some of you, are, some of you God's going to use you to bless people, but you won't say anything. Come on, let's get to the brass tacks of it. We come in here, we get all this word, and we got all this stored up in us. And like we said a few weeks ago, every person who's out there on those streets right now has a relative who's saved. And we hadn't gone and spoken to, we, we received the word of the Lord to call a relative and some of us didn't do it. Oh, y'all remember the close of the family conference? 
We received the word of the Lord to call a family member, to go sit down with a family member. And many of us didn't do it because we were afraid they wouldn't receive us. That's not your business. So we allow fear to keep us from operating in the anointing that God gave us. And while we're afraid, people die. We have what the world will never have. We have Jesus. We have the solution. If somebody's yard were dying, Mike, your yard is lush and green, green, your neighbor's yard is dying, would you just let it die and you know how to fix it? Sometimes they do, mother. Because they want to be the only one with a green yard. Oh, yeah, mother, sometime. And sometime, sometime. I hate to say that. I wonder if there's some people who want to be the only one. I know the answer why all of y'all die. I know that Jesus is the way. I'm going to tell you something. That ain't godly. Scripture says that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Maybe we should just walk down, drive through a neighborhood and say, Jesus. I mean, if we really believe that the name of Jesus. See, we think it takes something all deep. I love that about Peter. I love that enthusiasm. I love that, that spirit of his. That's why I, I don't know where Patrick is. he here? Patrick is not here today. I always say to Patrick, stay the way you are. Don't let nobody kill your spirit. I love that enthusiasm. He just jumped right out there. And some people say, I don't know. I might make a fool out of myself. No, you might help somebody. You don't know. We so worried. We so image conscious. Forget our image. People's lives are at stake. We're so cautious. He was wrong, but he was willing to try. Look at what God does. Shadow, a cloud comes down. I love the way he handles it. He doesn't speak from the cloud and say, Peter, you're wrong. Cloud comes down. And he said, he said, he says, he says, this is my beloved son. Jesus. Go to the next verse, y'all. Y'all have it? You have the verse? There it is. He didn't know what to say. That was his problem. It wasn't that he said something. It's that he didn't know what to say. Come on, keep going. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Go to the next. Go to the next one. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. So for the second time, God says in front of people, This is my beloved son. First time was when he was in the water being baptized and God spoke from heaven. And now again, he said, this is my this. So he was saying this one. I know you see three people. (laughs) I 
know you see three people, but I need to help you focus in on the right one. This one. You got to catch this. He, he said, he say, I know you see Moses. I know you see Elijah. I know you're impressed with their ministries, but I need you to know they're not the one. This is my beloved son. He said, if you're going to hear somebody, he said, hear him. While preachers walking around saying, hear me, God says, hear him. Everybody want to be heard. But Jesus didn't say, hear me. God said, hear him. I love it. And so, and so, before you know it, when they look again, ah, this is so powerful. It, it, when they look again, it says, suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one anymore but Jesus only. Then they went down the mountain. Verse 9. Now as they came down from the mountain. They couldn't come down from the mountain until they saw Jesus. Listen, let me say something. There ain't no need in us going into the valley unless we've seen Jesus first. We are no help to the valley dwellers if we hadn't had an encounter with Jesus. Because the valley will mess you up if you hadn't seen Jesus. You will be in the depths of despair in the valley. You, you'll be weeping and crying with the valley people if you hadn't seen Jesus. So I'm going to tell you, put your brakes on. Don't you go until you've seen him. There are people trying to get us to go to the streets. Go ahead. Don't you go until you've seen Jesus. We, we're looking for so many things. And, and just like Peter, James, and John, they, 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 they were looking at Moses and Elijah, and they were impressed. And he was saying, be impressed, but don't look to them. So God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move the other alternatives out of the way. You're not going to have no other options. Has anybody ever been in a place in your life where you had no other options? I, I need some people. To, I need some people. Well, y'all going to have some church with me. I have one minute and I have one minute and 55 seconds left. What? What? How many of y'all are bold enough and brave enough to say that the Lord took away all your other options? The people you used to call, the people who used to have a word, the people who used to have the money, the people who used to make a way. Ah, he took away all your options and all you had left was Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something. The only one God wants you to run to. The only one God wants you to go to. The only one God wants you to tell people about. He don't want nobody. He don't want you to tell nobody about your experience and about how much you know and your degrees and to be able to quit. He wants you to tell them about Jesus. So when you go to the next 
next house, to the next family member. All you got to tell them is, baby, Jesus saved. Jesus delivers. Jesus transforms. Jesus fixes things. Jesus changes because only Jesus can do it. We don't have a program that can do it. We don't have a law that can do it. We don't have legislation that can do it. Only Jesus because Jesus did it for us. Somebody jump up on your feet, slap your neighbor, and say, Jesus did it for me. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, not how much scripture I knew, not my position in the church, not because I gave a certain amount, not because I was respected in the, in the neighborhood I lived in. Only Jesus helped me get out of my depression. Only Jesus helped me put them drugs down. Only Jesus kept my mind. Only. Only Jesus can heal you. Only Jesus can deliver you. Only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can help you. You don't have any other options because God is trying to get you to see you only need to look in one place. I let them fail. I let them not be able to help you because I knew that if they helped you, you'd keep looking to them. There's some people that some of us tried to help and we couldn't help them. Yes, we did. We tried to help them, but God wouldn't allow us to help them because if we helped them one, they'd be looking to us the next time. And God said, I don't want them looking to you. I want them to learn how to look to me. I want them to learn how to look to my son because there is no other name given amongst men under heaven whereby men might be saved than the name of Jesus. So he takes the Moseses away. And he takes the Elijahs away. And the only one standing there, only one, is Jesus. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? He's the one you need to see. He's the one you need to focus on. He's the one you need to worship. He's the one you need to give glory to. He's the one you need to believe in. Somebody shout Jesus. Making more money not going to do it. Getting that next position not going to do it. Getting married or divorced is not going to fix it. There's so many things we've tried. Come on, lift your hand. Raise one hand if you tried all that stuff you tried. You tried and you tried. You listen to other people and they told you this will work. This will fix it. This will make you feel better. This will change your life. But none of it worked. 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 And we came to church. We came to church. Come, come here, my pastor preach. Come here, my pastor preach. Come here, our choir sing. Come, 
Come here, our praise team worship. Come, come, come. But we only felt better temporarily. It didn't last. It wore off. It, it, it didn't have a lasting effect. We felt better for a moment. But then when life came back at us, we were back in the, in the pits of despair again. And you know why? Because it's not going to be a pastor's preaching. It's, it's not going to be a choir singing. It's not going to be a praise team's worship. But the only thing, the only thing that has power to change your life is Jesus. That's why he only gave us one name. He only gave us one name. He didn't give us a multiplicity of names. He never said you can go to any God you want to. He never said that. He never said you could go to Buddha. He never said you could go to Krishna. He never said you could go to Muhammad. He said there's only one name. Jesus said there's only one way, 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 one way to the Father. He says and that's me. Nobody can get to him unless they come. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. There's no other way. There's no other way. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, there's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other way for you to have the peace that you long for. There's no other way for you to have the joy that you desire. There's no other way. No other Only Jesus can be what you need. Only Jesus can do what you need done somebody say only Jesus I would wonder sometimes why I would say to my wife I would say I would say baby I would say baby you be sick in the bed sometimes I would come and I would, I would get my oil and I would come and I would lay my hands on you and I would pray and I will pray the prayer of faith. If, if there's any sick among you, call for the elders. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they have any sin, they'll be forgiven. And I lay my hands on my wife and I pray for her. And I pray and I pray and I believe God and I pray and I believe God and I pray. And she wouldn't get better. She lay in that bed and I would just say, Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm finding out, I'm finding out, I'm finding out that it's not, it's not, I knew it wasn't me, but, but it can never get confused. Because we all flawed, people flawed, and, and, and he, he's like, I don't need you looking anywhere else. Don't, don't look for the answer anywhere else. Look to Jesus. Elder Smith, you say it. You say it so much. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Him looking. That's what he told the He said, looking unto Jesus. If he's your only option, I just want you to stand up. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you feel like you have other options, you're going to go to those other things. There are, there are other things around us. But we know that those things can never do what he can do. 
So even if he doesn't remove the options, we have to know. <laughs> it's okay to go to the doctor. It's okay to go see a counselor. It's okay, it's okay to go and get some wisdom and get some help, but, but when it comes to the deliverance, the healing, the transformation that we need, there's only one, and his name is Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, and we give you glory, and we thank you for the word that you gave us today. You are the only one. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are our hope. You are our strong tower. The righteous run into you and they are saved. Thank you for this word. Thank you for reminding us. Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you, God. There's no other. There's no other. Only you. Only Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God praise in the house today. Come on, give God praise in the house today.